I'm Matthew. I'm Marty. I'm Carlos. And we are the Heroes 3. Welcome to Heroes 3, the bi-weekly podcast where three friends explore the best, worst, and everything in between in the world of Asian cinema. This week we're getting back into more of the normal kind of kung fu movies that we're looking into with IP Man, Defender of Intellectual Property from <laughs> no. the year 2008. Oh. What? Oh, oh, did I watch the wrong movie again? Oh, no, this is It Mine. I Come think I, there should be like one of those mockbuster movies that's, <laughs> that's called IP, IP Man. Man. Like from the <laughs> asylum, like that. Yeah, really yeah. Funny. Whatever his methods, IP Man is doing really well these yeah. days. Yeah, he's definitely <laughs> protecting all that, all that ip all over the place. All that ip all over the place. This is Ipmon from 2008, which was directed by Wilson Yip, and of course is starring Donnie Yen. And Yay. we were talking before the podcast. This is the first movie we've done that has Donnie Yen in it, which is kind of crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's kind of dumbfounding and it's just kind of dumb no but um <laughs> no i mean stop the podcast i don't know why we're doing yeah you know uh as of like as of the present date i you know donnie is probably the biggest martial arts star in the world right now um yeah probably and yeah. uh really his his history with hong kong does go back into the 80s and he's definitely starred in some legendary uh, Hong Kong productions, which we will definitely get to in due course. Uh, we just, yeah, haven't encountered them yet. But in some ways, it's kind of fitting because even though, you know, Donnie was a feature of, you know, so many great films throughout the years, none of them quite broke him as a star in the way that... Mm-hmm. Um, that maybe some were hoping for, you know, it, it didn't quite shift into that gear of, um, you know, being like the next Jackie Chan or the next Jet Li or something like that. And really, I think everything combined in just the perfect way for Donnie in, in the Ip Man films. And it's really kind of the best vehicle you could imagine for, for Donnie as a physical performer. You know, he really gets to kind of showcase all his great, uh, you know, fighting and his poise and uh, just the way he kind of commands attention in the camera. But also it really suits, uh, I think, his kind of acting instincts and everything like that. And um, definitely uh, the world kind of responded. And after Ipman, you know, Donnie Yen had, kind of has become this household name in action, which is amazing. Yeah, it's really cool. Uh, of course, I was doing some homework just to make sure I'm prepared for this because we're covering Donnie Yen for the first time. And actually, mm-hmm. when I was looking into it, it kind of some of his upbringing kind of lines up with what I know of Ip Man's upbringing in history. So he seems like he had a pretty fortunate childhood. Uh, his mother is like a Tai Chi grandmaster yeah. and a huge influence on his life, as you'd imagine. And uh, he actually spent a lot of time in... I believe it's in Boston. He studied here in the States, which is something that I don't think a lot of people know about. Just like Ipman, who was very fortunate uh, as a child to have like a wealthy family and study martial arts. And he actually has like this royal lineage of Wing Chun that we can like, I mean, this is spoken spoken like stories that have been passed down. But historically, his lineage lines up right to the origins of uh, Wing Chun. So 
that's pretty cool that yeah. he was he ended up being chosen for this role. And I know I know that like for so like for decades they've been trying to make movies focused on this man and a yeah. big part of it is just his relationship to Bruce Lee. Yeah, and it's uh, Donnie's also this kind of like triple or quadruple or quintuple threat. Um <laughs> mm-hmm. he's has a really he actually also comes from a really uh very musical family. And I remember mm. seeing this clip from uh from a talk show years ago where uh he's actually playing fantasy impromptu by chopin and like just playing it beautifully um that's awesome can kind of can kind of do it all but yeah it's interesting background where he did spend a lot of time in the states um truly sort of uh you know bilingual and i think he has like a really nice perspective on kind of the east versus west in terms of what they might be looking for in in cinema and it's yeah i'm just so excited that we kind of live in a world where you know more and more people really know who know who donnie is like on uh, wherever you are on the on the globe, yeah, definitely. And also, it's it's worth noting that he kind of like he's been around for a while, but he kind of didn't get his start until a little bit later in life. Like even even some of his early starring roles, like like his earliest early starring roles, he was fairly young. But he, you know, this movie, he was like it was mid forties whenever he starred in it. Yeah, yeah I think it's interesting. It's like, uh, yeah, yeah oh, the sorry. breakthrough, the breakthrough right, of Donnie. Right. Like so, like. I mean, I'm sure we're gonna cover it at some point, but uh, Yumu Ping was an, another another star that he gathered. And, and yeah, Yumu Ping basically kind of shepherd shepherded Donnie, and uh, his very first movie was a great film called Drunken Tai Chi. But yeah. it happened just kind of right at the as that period of Golden Harvest, like comedic kung fu, was kind of coming to an end. So it didn't necessarily hit. It hit a really wide audience at the time, even though I, I think it holds up marvelously. I think it's a great movie. But they actually ended up making many other movies together. Um, one that I really hope we get to at some point, which kind of <laughs> incorporates some of Donnie's uh, experience with breakdancing in the States, is this great movie called Mismatched Couples. Yeah. And um, Yun Mo Ping actually plays kind of, he he's plays like, a big role in the movie. Yeah, he's and, like uh, a goofball sidekick character. Yeah, and movie. Donnie is like, anyway, you might might have seen some um, like clips on the internet of it's basically like wide-eyed like mid 80s Donnie mm-hmm. Yen um, kind of break dancing his way like through this whole movie it's oh, man. really it's it's way really more 80s than Wheels on Meals which is oh yeah it's such a, it's such a fun movie but then he you know he had uh, really important roles in Once Upon a Time in China too, and yeah. really a leading role in Iron Monkey, which mm-hmm. is uh, you know a kung fu kung fu classic for sure. Even with and, and he also actually had uh, kind of starred opposite Michelle Yeoh in the movie titled Wing Chun, which is also yeah. directed by Yuan Wuping. So they did a lot of collaborating together. Some really terrific movies and some local success for sure. But it definitely didn't lead to the kind of international breakout stardom that I think everyone was sort of hoping for. And what's interesting is in the kind of late 90s, early 2000 period, that's when we start to see Donnie kind of trying to move in a different direction. And that's when we get the partnership with the director of this film, Wilson. Wilson, yep. Yeah. So, yeah, one of the movies I wanted to make sure we mentioned is... 2005's uh, SPL Shapolong, yeah. I believe it. It's called Kill Zone here, and yeah, honestly, it's not 
literally a prequel to this movie but and when it comes to casting and the people that made the film in a lot of ways i would see it as a prequel because you've got wilson yip directing you've got donnie starring and and sam Sam is yeah yeah, and he's in it and if you look up this movie that's like the fight you'll see is donnie versus samo and then um, and yeah spl was a really big deal at the time and it was and, and action fans, I think, definitely like hold the movie in in pretty high esteem. But again, it didn't quite uh, break out in this international way, and I think like how people were maybe hoping. And you know, I think part of that is like they were really trying to emphasize kind of like the next generation of kung fu combat that would be a little more violent, a little more graphic and and brutal even. And I think part of the success of Ip Man is there are those elements where the choreography is more brutal than, say, oh, something yeah. from, from the mid-90s. But overall, the movie has this kind of sweeter, almost like it's like family-friendly kind of tone. Mm. And it definitely uh, emphasizes the values of uh, family and, uh, you know, patriotism. and lo- mm. So it's like... It's almost like it has just the right amount of each of these ingredients, I think, for for the movie to just hit this really wide audience and to even, you know, translate over here in the West, where it's pretty successful, uh, definitely compared to other, you know, Hong Kong action movies at the time. And yeah, Sha, Polong, and things like Flashpoint, these movies were, yeah, more of these, I would compare them to like the 90s, like Rated R, Jean-Claude Van Damme, or Steven Seagal type movies, yeah. where you've got like a cop fighting gangsters, and it's really violent. The, yeah, like what you said about the action, like the martial arts in these films, SPL and Flashpoint have a very distinct, almost like an MMA vibe to the fighting where you see a a lot of grappling and like i mentioned in uh one of these episodes we've done recently there's an amazing suplex in in flashpoint (laughs) oh yeah yeah it's it's really really cool but yeah this is interesting too because you've got samo hung in this film directing the action he's behind the camera the whole time yeah he's behind the camera but you can kind of feel him like yeah i i first saw this movie before we had done the samo arc but after rewatching it for this, then I was like, I can totally see Samo doing the direction here. Just like the all power, the, like the, yeah. yeah, the hits yeah. are so hard in this mm-hmm. movie, and I think that that's what adds to a lot of like the. It feels like some of the hits are really, really visceral and brutal, but they never feel like like over the top or exploitative in the, in their violence. You know, yeah, like it's I just, agree. It's a heavy hit, but it's not like you know someone's neck snapping because he get kicked in the head or something like that you know yeah and you do get um wire work here but yeah everything seems much more grounded in reality and Mm -hmm. i'm sure that this was something they had they tried to portray because they're dealing with this uh basically based on a true story kind of uh, (laughs) kind of it's based on a true heavy curse yeah Yeah, it takes a lot of liberties that's a good good distinction yeah with uh, (laughs) the There's a lot more drama, I guess. Inspired by see. real events. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but supposedly behind the scenes, uh, Hiroyuki uh, Ikeuchi, who plays, he's kind of the big bad of yeah, the Miura. movie. Yeah, he he was, yeah, kind of had a difficult time in the production of this film. Uh, and he, yeah, he really kind of, uh, I think, aimed a lot of his criticism at Sammo because he, uh, <laughs> you know, Sam basically Sammo had him taking some, some really heavy blows. And kind from of. what I know, um, Ikeuchi 
wasn't a fighter. He he wasn't in this uh, world of martial arts film. So to go from zero to Samuel, you yeah. know what I mean? <laughs> like here's this actor that is being forced to, I guess, like conform himself to this rigid training that you can imagine a man like Samuel Hung yeah. like you know demands. I can imagine. Well, and also, I mean, I think S- Samuel demands of his actors only what he would do himself but uh, he like we said during that entire he would go arc, really hard on himself he, yeah he so. tries i mean in the sequel Ipman 2 where samo mm. has a role in front of the camera he had been recovering from this uh cardiac episode and he's throwing everything he can into this fight gets a pretty major injury should be going to the hospital wants to keep shooting it basically continues to shoot until he almost can't stand they have to take him to the hospital for stitches it's and i think if i remember even afterwards he was uh like publicly saying like yeah you know there are some things getting in the way i'm not totally happy with my performance but donnie and i will have a rematch on screen (laughs) again um that's great so yeah but it's like at this point, there's such a generation gap with, uh, between the way that these films were once made and the era in which uh, Ipman was developed, which we should also mention, this is this is a different Hong Kong. Uh, this is Hong Kong that's been absorbed into the People's Republic of China, and this is also a period where the Chinese film uh, industry has has just grown uh, into this colossal enterprise and you can really feel it. It definitely feels like um, even though, you know, we have a Hong Kong crew and a lot of, uh, you know, Hong Kong stars, the influence of mainland China is uh, yeah, kind of undeniable in this movie, I think. Yeah, I agree. One of my takeaways after watching this for the podcast and especially after we covered Samo's arc where we looked at the prodigal son which also is you know centered around wing chun is uh, this movie is really good i really do like it (laughs) but i can't help but think about how much i enjoyed the prodigal son more and how it portrayed the style of wing chun sure so like seeing this movie kind of felt like i could i could see let me see how do i want Mm -hmm. i i I could see how it portrays Ipman as this like very patriotic figure and that's mainly the focus of the movie and about his conflict as this kind of icon in China against the opposition of the Japanese who were occupying uh, Foshan at the time so this takes place in like the 30s and um, that's really like like the central focus of the movie you don't really get a sense of Ipman's history of his training by the time you see him in the film, he's already probably around 30 or 40. And um, he's this like kind of icon of the city. And there are some struggles that he has to deal with. And they kind of pit him against the, the Japanese like military. And that's all really cool. But like the Wing Chun in the film is kind of lacking to me. And that kind of, it's like executioners from Shaolin and like... The Prodigal Son really spoiled me when it comes to this. <laughs> sure. And, and it also does have a lot to do with the the homework that I was doing for the uh, podcast. Of, of the real man. Yeah, not of yeah. The, only of that, but of the lineage of Wing Chun dating yeah. back to the five 
elders of Shaolin and the story of like Ying Mui training the, this young woman that would become the namesake of the style and how that has kind of disseminated down the lineage of Wing Chun and actually led to Ip Man himself. That's all really cool to me. And it's like, why why wasn't think that addressed? What, in I think film? what you like is whenever the movies talk about like the style and talk about like the history of the style and like the ethos behind the style. Yeah. And that's not what this movie is. Like this movie, yeah. it's about a Wing Chun master, like one of the greatest Wing Chun masters of all time, but it's not about Wing Chun in itself. But I, I think I think also I suppose you could talk about the the choreography and I think for the most part Samo is really trying to emphasize like Wing Chun choreography and what and what Donnie is doing. Mm-hmm. But um I suppose it, it probably is a little more of like a hybrid kind of thing than when you're looking right. at Prodigal Son or something and like that. And the the narrative of the action in this film it's like kind of Ipman's like invincible. <laughs> And it's cool, <laughs> you know. It's cool, like seeing him. Like, oh man, anybody that is gonna get in his way. But is there, gonna there, get there's definitely demolished. a whiff of like nationalist propaganda in yes. the whole movie. Oh, that, like, you know, yeah. you can't quite put your finger on it. And then in the end credits, when we have our like biopic text, you know, what happened after the events of the movie, and it's it's kind of crazy because they basically they show the date for the for the Japanese surrender of World War II. But the way they phrase it is they say, (laughs) the emperor of Japan surrendered this war. And and they never refer to it as World War II because they start, they're basically just focused on the Japanese and Chinese conflict. Yeah. And then, but not only that. Sino-Japanese war or something like that. Yeah, yeah. That's right. But they, this, the surrender of the emperor, they say, and China won the war. (laughs) And it's like, they phrase it in this, incredibly uh, misleading, I think just boarding yeah. on flat out inaccurate. Yeah, like, and, yeah, don't worry about America. They didn't do nothing. And it's, it's all China. All China, all the time. China number one. Yeah. And so it's like, first of all, it's like if you grew up watching a lot of Hong Kong films, probably because Hong Kong was always kind of trying to distance them themselves from China <laughs> a little bit, you would never, it's just anything remotely pro-China would feel a little strange but here that it's so pro-china and it's kind of flying in the face of history and it's meant to kind of like sum up you know the spirit of the whole movie it's a little bit of of a thing but i kind of like to look at it's that that aspect of it and the kind of nationalistic red is i think the parameters that this hong kong crew had to work within um Mm. i think for it to be this uh, mainstream Chinese release and an international release and for it to have the financing from some of those mainland partners, this is just, this is sort of how it had to be. And I think, I don't know, for me, I, I definitely enjoy the movie like a, a lot, like within that, um, like within that perspective. And I think it's basically, you know, kind of taking that mandate, which is, I think a pretty, uh, it's definitely a very liberal interpretation of Ipman's life, which we can get into, um, right. where he's made to be kind of... Um, kind of Superman. Yeah, not just Superman, but a poster child for like a, a, a hero of, of China. Not China, just a hero yeah. of downtrodden people, but a China oppressed by Japan. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really interesting because we've, we've definitely seen Japan and Chinese conflict in films. Um, but oh, man, think so of how different now. this is yeah. from, say, how things are depicted in Fist of Legend. It just, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's, anyways, it's really, it's really interesting. But it, in some ways, it's like, it's, it's kind of, there's like 
more juicy analysis i think you can kind of get out of it too yeah <laughs> i i like that you mentioned that though because yeah there are a lot of parallels in this film to fearless which we've covered by i was Yu. thinking that when we were watching yeah. it it, it, it even similar. uh yeah it shares a, a cast member um but oh, yeah yeah i think that's cool and the japanese actually there was people so we've got some japanese actors in the film and one big uh factor from japan in this film that i didn't realize when i first watched this movie but in doing research is that kenji kawaii does the score for the film yeah and he's a legend in japan when it comes to like anime soundtracks and tv shows and video games he's even done like uh sorcerian is like a really cool like uh rpg from uh falcom back in the day he does the pc engine cd soundtrack that's really good and like he did the ghost in the shell movies that mamoru oshi directed yeah he did ranma one half which i loved back in the day and this score is great like the the main title Awesome, and there's some really, I think some really inventive scoring of fights, which I think that's one of the more difficult things to like spot and support. This is some of my favorite like fight scoring music I think of any movie. The, he, the did, music he did. He did Mob film. Psycho 100. Sorry, yeah. I really like. I really like. Mob, I really like Mob Psycho 100. Oh so. yeah, sure. He's he's still very prolific, mm-hmm. and he did all the. He did one, two, and three of It Man. So um, there's cool. plenty so of we'll hear his more. music. Yep. Well, I think we should get into this movie then, but first let's take a look at the back of the VHS. Wing Chun, a river that flows from its source in Shaolin for hundreds of years. As it travels through history, it touches many gifted martial artists, from Ng Mui down through Yim Wing Chun, then to the fists of men like Long Jan and Chan Hua Shun. This is where the river matures, gaining strength and efficiency. And every river has a mouth, the point where it spills into the ocean, spreading out into the world. Ip Man is this voice, and Wing Chun has reached the stars thanks to him. Donnie Yen takes on the role of this grandmaster as the titular Ip Man. In the build-up to World War II, the Japanese army has taken root in the town of Foshan. Ip Man is thrust into direct conflict with this bloody regime. In protecting his family and friends, he becomes the fist that stands in the way of oppression, and the spirit of a whole country is at the brink of war. Directed by Wilson Yip with action from Sammo Hung, this is it mine yeah this movie is it's cool because it's almost the first 30 minutes is almost a super condensed different kung fu movie <laughs> sure <laughs> because it, it starts off with uh we're in foshan uh which we've seen in a few other in the movies in the past yeah we're where back in yeah. foshan where there's uh, in like the mid 30s and there's like all these different kung fu schools and there's uh, Itmon who's living in this big mansion with his his wife and child. And it's cool because he's like he practices Wing Chun, but he kind of keeps to himself and doesn't like he doesn't lead a school, but everyone wants him to teach and everything. And and it's it's cool. It's totally a different kung fu movie starting off. Yeah, totally. No, I mean I think the whole opening uh, section or the whole opening act of the movie is extremely effective in like illustrating the character. In fact, I think most of what illustrates the character of Ipman happens in this part of the film. Not that he doesn't have plenty to do uh, later on in the later conflict with the with the Japanese, um, but there's not too 
there's not there aren't too many new dimensions to his character that I think are kind of revealed in the the back part of the movie. Um, and also just yeah, the whole production value uh, and the Ooh, art yes. direction and these sets like it's just it looks incredible. This oh yeah yeah I believe they filmed all the Foshan stuff in a set in Shanghai. So they built all of this that you see like when they're That's scrolling so cool. in through the city. It's amazing. You get to see. You know, the lion dance, which Foshan is known for. Yeah. And when you first see Ip Man after the titles, you get to see the Wing Chun dummy, the wooden dummy that has become this iconic symbol of uh, martial arts. Yeah, it's awesome. I mean, we I th- we were talking just a bit ago that that's maybe not a very like plot heavy <laughs> movie. I mean, I think oh, maybe almost compared to anything we've watched, I think you could probably contain the plot to Ipman in in the fewest amount of sentences compared to to anything else we've we've watched, but um yeah, I I don't know. It, it is interesting. I think what's what drives this opening part of the movie and what really drives any of the the story throughout is it's really just all about uh, fighting, and I know that's like that's nothing new. I mean, we're we're watching kung fu fighting movies all the time, but it's purely fighting for fighting's sake. Which I don't know. Something for me, like the combination of more contemporary production value and this like richer cinematography, the lack of real humor, and things really just being about fighting for fighting's sake. It it doesn't. I, I'm not super crazy about like that tone <laughs> all said and done but I, I yeah i don't know what do you guys how does that stuff hit you guys my takeaways from this movie were just kind of landing on these beats that were actually really familiar to me by the time we've covered it sure. this far on in the podcast so you've got these typical things like you know rival masters trying to um relate to one of another you've got this interesting interaction at the beginning of the film where uh, a master shows up which it kind of seems like this is a regular occurrence for Ipman and his family that a master will show up and they kind of want to challenge him it's like this polite situation but of course Ipman is the better of the two and it kind of turns into this kind of discreet embarrassment <laughs> <laughs> sure you know and um yeah, this is who I was talking about. This master, he's played by Chen Zihui, who is kind of like a similar role in Fearless, where he was like this rival master to Huo Yanjia. And but I mean, much more of a focal point. Actually, maybe not. He his character because yeah, in this this, film, this character is is actually pretty significant. And in- yeah, he he actually does have a pretty significant. And actually, he ends up dying too, not by the hand of our star, but. Um, mm-hmm. It's a definitely another dramatic death for for yeah. for Chen in this film. Oh, and man. um yeah, yeah but what happens is that there's a young man who's trying to catch his kite that actually at the beginning of the movie he's flying through like kind of like forest gump feather yeah. through the town. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and um he and ends about up, a similar level of CGI too. Yeah. So. <laughs> um he ends up peeping on this uh secret uh, sparring match so yeah. he tells the rest of the town that uh, master lu's been defeated handily yeah uh, and this turns into this kind of embarrassing situation yeah, yeah it ends up where uh, everyone everyone hears that iman beat liu so he's like what are you, are you trying to ruin me because you know no one's gonna want to be my uh, no one's gonna be my pupil anymore 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> but you know, it, yeah. Oh, um, you know, Donnie does so much in the course of this movie, but I really think it's the opening five five minutes that finally kind of give him his moment as this breakout star. It's mm. It's on that level of Quanta King in terms of like Confucianist, like gentlemanly, yeah. like wisdom. But it's mm-hmm. he owns it in a in a way that uh, I yeah I, I don't know. It's just it it's really it's just such a strong performance. And I think whatever your historical awareness or context, I think audiences all over the world they're just responding to that charisma, that confidence, that quiet mm-hmm. wisdom. And I don't and think he, it's a role that Donnie could have played 10 or 15 or 20 years mm-hmm. you know, prior. Sure. He still looks very young, but he has this kind of more mature air about him yeah. in the film. Yeah, and totally. how he handles Ip Man's character. And I don't know if this was the, an influence because uh, Ip Chun, actually Ip, Ip Man's son, is like a direct kind of consultant for this film. And uh, Donnie Yen plays Ip Man as a very kind of gentle, kind leader yeah he has this kind of quiet kindness uh in any scene that he's in and i think it's really effective yeah and i love that he whenever he he beats the this other master he does like he kind of like fake like does a punch but doesn't actually connect yeah he does like that really fast punch with both of his fists well, then he says that really sweet, like, movie. oh, thanks for going easy on me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is, again, yeah, just good. like, it's it's like a Tai Chi of manners, you know. Um, yeah. yeah. Which is very reminiscent of how, you know, Wong Fei Hong used to be depicted. And mm-hmm. um, and again, I think that the opening scene is, is so effective. And uh, I also think, yeah, Wilson Yip is really kind of brilliantly paces that, um, the whole sequence, mm-hmm. because uh, we have this competing master who's he's almost like eager like this little puppy to to spar with itman and yeah um you know donnie just politely asks him to wait because you know this is his time with his family and then invites him to dinner because he hadn't <laughs> eaten and then um you know offers cigarettes and mm-hmm. uh like you guys were saying uh you know his wife and son seem pretty used to these kinds of interruptions and, right. and yeah his, all these details are so actually... nice yeah, his wife actually seems more aggressive as a character than you'd expect to see a wife in films like this. You can yeah. tell that she's pretty fed up with his lifestyle and yeah. how it interrupts their life. Mm-hmm. And I kind of like how that that's done. Yeah, they're definitely like, I would say, like modern perspective and modern values uh, mm-hmm. that, yeah, that kind of inform sort of the, the world of this mm-hmm. movie. So um, the situation gets kind of uh, diffused over the next uh, few minutes, but the, the the main the main important thing is that we find out about this other uh, master that's coming in from like out of town, and you can you can tell just from what he's wearing that he's supposed to be from like this like kind of northern Chinese kind of like almost Mongolian kind of kind of look. To yeah, him. yeah. And he's and again, this is like in a different kung fu movie, he's the main villain where he's going and beating all of the masters and then, you know, has to face off against this this grandmaster uh, at the end. Yeah, this guy's really cool. Oh, um, yeah. He's played by Fan Shu Wong, who actually uh, I recognize from Ricky O, which is like this really over-to-the-top Hong Kong action movie that is like known for being r- super violent. It's based off of a Japanese manga, and who Yukari Oshima's in it as well. Oh, but, nice! Um, 
The other interesting thing that people should know is that he is the son of Fan Mei Sheng. So we've seen him plenty of times and as far back as God, Magnificent so Butcher. Cool. Yeah, on the podcast. So it's really cool to see him here as this kind of very strong rival character. Well, and it really and feels like he and Sammo must have some kind of relationship. He does feel almost like the spiritual successor. I would say less yeah. to his dad and almost more to Sammo. Um, yeah, exactly. It's really cool, really cool. So, yeah, he's playing the this uh, Shaolin uh, fighter from the north. And actually, Sammo in the film... They, there's some like documentary footage for this film, and he says that he practices a specific style. Yeah, so the character, his, his name is Kam Shan Chu, and he practices Shao Bei Guan. So it's a Shaolin style from the north, and it looks really cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Especially really cool. paired up against uh, Ip Man style. So you see Wing Chun looking very... I don't know, like the, it has this air of respect to it, especially with how Donnie like plays it yeah, up. Yeah, the Wing Chun seems sort of like stately and angular mm-hmm. and uh, almost, and you, yeah, kind of chivalrous or something. And it's a little less like sweeping and wild and like uh, kind of ferocious or something. Right. And as soon as you see Fan Shu Wong's character come into town with his kind of group, they're looking for a fight and they come into the central square of Foshan and this is where everybody's practicing and they just right away want to challenge everyone. And you can see like <laughs> they look like they've been traveling for a while and they're just yeah, they're ready like to dusty. fight. Yeah, <laughs> they just yeah, get they right dirty. to it. Mm. And it, jumping mm-hmm. ahead a little bit, but I like when they, they're stopping for some noodles and this is after he's already beaten at least like three masters yeah. up or something and then the noodle merchant is like ah that's not nothing you haven't fought uh itman and as soon as he gets the name it's he's basically like hey, i'll finish this noodle but then we're going um <laughs> yeah it's, it's oh, like, i don't know like i guess i was saying it's it's really just about who's the master i'm gonna beat him up uh yeah. but it's shot in this really like beautiful um almost kind of like high cinema (laughs) way yeah um right all the costumes in this film and all the set pieces are so well done Mm -hmm. i think the movie costs something like 11 million dollars to produce and it went on to basically double uh that in what it made which is really cool to hear and uh yeah seeing uh all of these different schools fighting against uh they call him Jin in the subtitles and um, seeing like his northern style, how he looks like very, he looks like he's made out of concrete basically <laughs> when he's, yeah. when he's punching. Yeah, he's punching people. It's just like, wow, it looks so painful. And there's some really good wire work here, too. Yeah. Where it's like, again, this movie is very down to earth, but there's a lot of stuff that's like not, you know, it's not a person, a human being couldn't actually do it, but it doesn't look like too over the top. Right. Or like, and the, uh, and the wire the green... removal is just like flawless. It's... Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like you never. Yeah. Like, the only reason I know is because, like, I kind of know what to look for and after doing some <laughs> yeah, of these sure. movies. Um, but, you know, there's some, like, big jumps. My favorite is whenever uh, Jen does this, like, kick with both of his legs and then lands on his yeah. feet after the kick. It's so cool. <laughs> like, it, it's very, very stylish. It feel it kind of feels like something from a fighting game or something. Like, well, a human being couldn't too. do it, but... And I also love, yeah, the contrast of the costumes of, you know, these kung fu masters. And uh, he has these more, like, tattered kind of robes. And, uh, yeah, it really all just works so well. And 
I think it's, there's also a really cool balance of, I guess, the, the timing and the editing. I guess the stereotype is is that the older kung fu movies kind of like hung on shots for a really long time and more modern action has kind of quicker cuts. And I think mm-hmm. this is a really kind of beautiful blend. And um, there's just some incredible camera work. At the very first Kung Fu Master, he challenges. I like, I like it. The master says, no, you stand over there. And it reminds me yeah. of like, um, like, oh, I can only play Street Fighter from the left side. Um, <laughs> but yeah, but then it's like they're actually standing in this like beautiful position for this like this camera on a crane to kind of like come up and yeah, kind of catch these guys in a great like you know two D fighting game profile yeah. stands. It's awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a lot of that in these sequences. Yeah, after he uh, stomps out this first master, he fights a younger master, and that's like a weapon based fight where he's got like a guandao versus oh and actually yeah jin's sword looks really cool it's like this um like a metal worker's sword it's like very angular and like heavy duty looking which just adds to the weight that he already Mm -hmm. was portraying and um yeah so he kind of handles that guy and then words getting back to ipman so um one of the characters actually he's playing by played by uh jing yu who we've seen uh, a handful of times and he's always really good in movies so uh he tells him oh there's some out-of-towners that are uh, beating everybody up so then it cuts back to jin fighting against master lu and yeah more really nice crane work like you said i i did notice a lot of crane camera work it's super effective and it adds to the energy of these fights and this fight's really cool it's like some really hard hits against poor master lu after he was already embarrassed privately yeah. now he's yeah. being embarrassed in public this is one of my favorite <laughs> things that the movie i think uh, set up really well is that you actually really care about master lu mm-hmm. and you do feel bad that he was embarrassed and i don't know you end up i think really rooting for him here in this scene and he's actually lasting longer than any of the other masters in town yeah. which is pretty cool yeah, and shows you he is a really good kung fu master it's yeah, just totally. Iman's that amazing that right that mm-hmm. he was able to beat him yeah so this this leads to this huge crowd showing up at Iman's uh, house and you know he's at first, he's like, you know, hey, you don't like, you don't need to come up here and do this. And I really like he says uh, the uh, Jin says, "We're opening a school here. We need to show off our might." To open a school, you don't need to fight me. You just need a good location. Now, please leave. <laughs> yeah, it's really <laughs> yeah, funny great. how yeah how this is so such a period piece, but then things like that are very modern in how they handle it and. Actually, yeah, in this following scene when everybody invades his house, uh, you know, he's concerned with his wife being there. And he's mm-hmm. like, you, you can't just come to my house and fight me. And she kind of stands up to them, too. Mm-hmm. And then uh, when Jin's character kind of insults his wife, then she turns and says, like, just don't break anything. <laughs> it's like yeah. he gets the green flag saying, hey, yeah. all right, I can fight. Yeah, which is a great <laughs> line. Boy, I really so love can, yeah. how how Fan Chu Wong like portrays this character. I don't want to say that I've met somebody like that, but it's just something about it feels really familiar where he's just, he's actually really, I think eager to, to learn about the Kung Fu in the town, but he has, he has almost like no like uh, social skills or like social graces. And he's just like so <laughs> impatient. I don't know. There's something, uh, yeah, something I think that he like really kind of comes to life 
in his performance. And I think Donnie mm-hmm. opposite him is great because it seems like he's almost, he's like sympathetic to, to him in some way. Um, mm-hmm. But this is just not the time or the place. Mm-hmm. And, and eventually, yeah, it's, it's like he would only fight if, if his wife uh, sort of blesses it. And yeah, <laughs> yeah I love yeah. I love how and, that works. Yeah. Beyond <laughs> that, then uh, we've got a character that shows up uh, a lot later throughout the movie is the police officer. Yeah. And, you know, he kind of, puts it on Ipman too. He's like, you, you got to defend our honor. You can't just let people walk into town like this. So then it's like, everybody's uh, ready for this fight, but they keep it private. You know, they close the doors and everybody's huddled up against the door waiting, you know, to, trying to catch a glimpse of things. There was a line earlier that I remember that was really funny too, where um, when they were eating noodles, the, the, oh, yeah. the guys the from Wong the North Fei are Hong saying, line. yeah, they're like, I thought everyone here was like Wong Fei Hong, but I was wrong. <laughs> That's such a cool, cool line. And then we get another line following that from uh, Fan Shu Wang, where he's saying that something along the lines like, I heard that Wing Chun was made by a woman. Like, you want, you, you, I want to see what it's like to fight like a woman. And then Donnie just totally like checks him. He's like, gender basically doesn't matter. Uh, it's the skills that count and you're going to find out. So it's like, oh, yeah, snap, totally. it's so good. <laughs> so they get some really good back and forth. And that leads into this amazing fight sequence in their mm-hmm. uh, Ip Man's own house. Yeah, I love every time he... Every time they break something in the house, then then Jin's like, I'll, I'll pay, I'll pay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'll pay for it. <laughs> Don't <Yeah>. stop, please. <laughs> yeah. So, uh. yeah, and in a lot of ways, this this fight characterizes Wing Chun uh, the best out of any in the movie for me. Because yeah, um, so they address, you know, that lineage. And they're showing, you know, Ip Man himself, Donnie's character, is on the defense, but Wing Chun is such a close quarters thing where defense and offense are so tightly connected to each other. You get to see a really cool representation of that. And you've got um, this northern style, and he's just going crazy. He's like flying through the air and like, you know, leaping forward and everything. It's, it's very, very cool seeing these two styles interacting with each other. But so he's, he's finally able to, to beat him. And and that's why he says this line about like, you know, I need to learn this style and then Iman says It's not about styles. It's about you. Yeah. Which that's I thought so was, that's great. a very cool that's a very cool line. That's a very like yeah. Wong Fei Hung kinda kinda line. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and one note that we see we see especially in this part before everything kinda goes to hell, that I love the kind of combination between like more standard traditional kind of Chinese outfits and modern, you know, modern being for the 1930s, uh, Western kind of looks to it. Like Mm -hmm. I love how the, the wife character is wearing like this kind of traditional Chinese, uh, outfit, but she has like a cardigan on over it. And like a lot of people have, uh, fedora hats over with, you know, more traditional Chinese outfits on the rest of them. Yeah, totally. And yeah, just the point. yeah, the costuming is it's yeah, yeah it's really just like uh, kind of stunning to to watch. Um, now, this whole movie is incredibly polished. Like all the yeah. costumes are amazing, all the sets are amazing, and the sounds really incredible too. Like not just the music, but like the sound design. Like yeah, the the sound like, design. It's 
Yeah. The first time I watched this movie, I must have not watched it with headphones because this time I really noticed there's a lot of amazing like panning whenever people like move across the the screen and like things coming in from from different places. Like it really feels amazing. Dude, totally. Yeah, it's it's I like what you're saying too about uh mm-hmm. you're getting this sense of the period and where there you know this takes place. It's like you are starting to see more and more of that kind of east meets west. It's really interesting. This is another aspect that I feel like it's very 21st century mainland China where it's kind of depicting kind of the ultimate uh upper middle class family um according to like modern Chinese values and it's I, I don't know. It's weird. I feel like in a Hollywood setting, like the heroes wouldn't have this kind of wealth without there being some kind of comment. But in Ip Man, it sort of feels like, oh, this is just normal and this is good. And when they lose it, it's really terrible. Um, yeah. yeah. But this kind of like uh, orderly family, like this is what, you know, we should all be aspiring to. Um, mm-hmm. And it's, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's interesting because it's not it's not just different from maybe how you would depict this in Hollywood, but it's very different from how this character would have been depicted, you know, in the 80s or 90s in Hong Kong, I think. So he comes back home. There's all these people there at his house because they want to, you know, they want to be a student and everything. And they all start chanting his name outside as he's, you know, they close the gates and everything's great and happy. Oh, no. Uh-oh. And then... Of course, then we cut to the everything. Get, the whole movie just gets like ten shades grayer from yeah, here on right, out. Right. Um. Literally, it's like lightning crashes, and we see like uh, these Japanese planes flying overhead, and it, it you know just tells you that Japan invades China. They occupy Foshan, and and everyone's kind of struggling just to just to eat and and make it by. Yeah, uh, and it cuts and it cuts like it's like three years into the future from from this very first scene. But it's definitely depicted almost like at this kind of post apocalyptic yeah, way. Yeah. It's very it's very dire. Oh, yeah. And I'm not. Uh, I've got to admit, I'm not sharp enough on the history to know um, how accurate that is. I'm, um, I mean, it, it was pretty, pretty bad. <laughs> the Japanese occupation of China yeah, was definitely. pretty bad. Like there's a yeah, lot of and, a lot of horrible stories of of things that happened uh, during yeah, that time. Yeah, regarding regarding Ip Man, he his wealth, like his family's wealth, was confiscated by the Japanese. The way that it pans out in this movie is kind of rearranged a bit. Yes. From what I know, it's uh, it wasn't until he denied uh the Japanese army of his training that the Japanese army decided to take his wealth. So they kind of rearranged that a little bit in the film. Yeah, that makes sense. There's also an interesting um kind of like aspect to this part of the movie. Like to me it almost reminded me of like theater or a play where it's like, oh, so much has changed. Like their world is really rocked. Uh we get this title card information that the population has radically uh dropped in Foshan oh, but in it's Foshan. like we still have all the same actors like in act 2 that we did in act 1 and it's like all those characters are still going to end up being important it's yeah i don't yeah. know something about it, it it like feels like a little bit um a little bit funny to me or something I, yeah i'm not <laughs> Not sure. Okay, well, but there's a character that we never mentioned that uh, is a very important character oh, in the yeah. film. Uh, yeah, Ipman has like kind of a friend that runs a uh, 
cotton factory and actually this is dalsim from future cops so yes. it's, oh you're right by, yeah simon <laughs> yang returns <laughs> yeah in a very in a pretty, role. pretty similar role i'd say like <laughs> it's basically the same yeah yeah he but doesn't you, he doesn't do any fighting in the movie he's very straightforward with uh yep. you know being like a, a business owner right and he doesn't do any yoga to, yeah right this is similar to uh fearless as well where uh, Huo Yanja had his kind of more business-minded friend. That's that's what we've got here. And you see that, um, and, you know, everyone's hit on hard times. He's running this cotton factory. But Ipman's pride kind of keeps him from asking for a job. And But you do see how hard it is on their family. Like, they barely have any rice. And they're living in this, like, dilapidated uh, place. Uh so um i'm curious because does it and i really i'm not trying to be negative i love this movie i I think it's awesome (laughs) but does it work for you the pride thing like it hits me more as like a a weird kind of plot convenience thing because it's uh simon yam's character tries to basically say it's like oh he doesn't want to owe anyone anything that's not what's going on they still owe him like he's (laughs) he had the money to finance the cotton factory and he even offers him shares in it that he won't take that out of pride even though we a few minutes ago before the time cut we see Ipman receiving every free gift from everyone in town for having yeah he doesn't turn beat people then. up and then he just wants to go looking for a job in the coal mine and and he takes like a uh, a spot in front of everyone else who's looking for the job i don't know something about it is like doesn't no, i got you doesn't it totally feels work like... but like you know you feel like he'd be he'd be able to get over himself enough to just accept the job yeah it sort of feels like the only reason he's not there is it's like that's not really gonna we kind of don't want our story going there quite yeah it it sets him up for you know basically getting conscripted to fight for japanese people's (laughs) enjoyment and then it's also gonna like the image of like donnie you know well-dressed and distinguished like working in like coal and getting all sooty it's like mm-hmm. it's like, yeah. it's a really like strong like memorable image i think mm-hmm. right so that's that's where we go from here and yeah it, it starts to get more interesting after this kind of sadness yeah um where um he's looking for a job and actually his celebrity kind of gets him a job where you see a crowd of people just like desperately trying uh, to uh, hop on a truck and then he's recognized and they they grab him and he's working in a coal mine and uh, even at the coal mine he starts to recognize that there are other martial artists around and it sounds like the person that runs the coal mine is a martial artist himself and he's kind of helping out his fellows and he runs into Jing Yu's character and they kind of have this kind of sweet uh reunion and you kind of learn about yeah. him and his struggles with him and his brother the the kid that had the kite earlier in the film and there's kind of like this sweet little moment that pays off later on in the film so what you see is that the police officer from earlier in the film is now an interpreter for the japanese so yeah. um they're using him to kind of recruit fighters so they take these fighters away and uh they're fighting against some Japanese um, martial artists like for rice basically but it's like this really kind of evil situation where it's kind um, of like a brutal cage it's also actually like street fighter there's like the underground like cage matches with like yeah Yeah. was that Zangief and Blanca was that (laughs) in the in in the the movie movie? yeah Yeah. Yeah. or sorry no in Ipman yeah 
and yeah, these like Matthew, you were talking about like the saturation just like dropping. All of mm-hmm. these scenes are practically black and white, but not mm-hmm. really. Yeah. It's like um, yeah, it's yeah, it's really very saturated, very gray. I almost wonder if the cinematographer saw like children of men a week before they started shooting this it's like oh hey we can do that we can do that (laughs) it definitely fits the tone though Mm -hmm. and you get some really nice fights so um Mm -hmm. when they get to this place you see that master lou is there and he's kind of making his living doing this and he's being pretty damn successful too yeah make that yeah because kind of the idea the idea was is that whenever you'd get in the fight, if you were able to beat one of the Japanese fighters and you get a bag of rice and it is kind of cool actually seeing how it's not like it's just like the Japanese obviously are villainous in this, but they aren't like comically villainous in, in most regards, I'd say like, like you can tell the guy, even though he thinks the Japanese are better, he does have like some respect for the, the Chinese like martial artists. And if they win, he does give them the bag of rice. He doesn't right. like just immediately shoot them in the face or something. Well, and there's this clever dynamic where um, I said he was the, the big bad, but really his henchman is depicted yeah. as like more vile than him. Yes. So it's this opportunity for him to show that it's like, okay, I'm, I don't care for the Chinese, but I, I'm not going to go that far. Like stop mm-hmm. attacking this person. And I think that's really effective. It is kind of strange. It's very apparent the decimation and just this awful impact that the Japanese occupation has had, but it's super unclear what these Japanese soldiers do. It's, um, <laughs> I guess they yeah. just have cage matches, and even <sighs> who our main villain is, there, I don't know. There's, there's not really much to him beyond, like this. Yeah, just this. the fighting. Yeah. yeah, and General Mura here. Um, after you see Master Lu fight, General Mira says, send three men here. And this is a really uh, crazy fight scene where you've got Jing Yu's character and two other men are, are fighting and you get to see the power of General uh, Mira. And it's like, yeah, it's karate. You know, you can tell by his form, mm-hmm. but he's high flying. He does these huge kicks and mm-hmm. he's very uh, limber and um, it's really brutal, the choreography here. It, it yeah. looks really cool. But the Jingyu character is like just so mad at the at the Japanese that he's not giving up whenever all the other people are giving up. And he ends up literally getting beaten to death. Like, it's it's pretty rough. Oh, man, yeah. Because he just won't give up. There's this really brutal shot where, like, it's a slow-mo shot of him doing a roundhouse kick. And then Mira mm. punches his foot and it, like, oh, flops man. the yeah. wrong direction. It's kind of, ooh. Yeah, I wonder if part of the desaturation is to maybe mute some of the, the bloodiness that happens in, like, oh. the uh, Sure, the yeah, because he ends up spitting in his face. Yeah. Oh, man, yeah. yeah. But, and that lick really sets it off and he does like this really powerful kick to his chest and that's how uh jing yu's character mm-hmm. passes away and now you've got this beat where um after Ipman kind of had this heartfelt reunion he's looking for him the next day and he can't find him mm-hmm. and then he winds up going into the basically the the fight club <laughs> and uh <laughs> you know finds out that uh Jing Yu's character has passed, and this is when you kind of get to see the full Ipman superhero at his like yeah. full power. <laughs> yeah, this is this is incredible, and actually, um, with the the two Magfests ago, the 
like kung fu panel that the three of us attended mm-hmm. together they played this uh fight scene this oh is, yeah yeah this fight yeah, seems amazing pretty Cause, pretty legendary because right before this we see liu fight three uh three the you know the japanese people and he loses but he's going to take the rice that he did already earn and that's whenever this this kind of crazier henchman guy shoots him yeah and and oh, that completely sets Itmon off. So he comes in and demands to fight 10 of them at once after Liu just lost against three. Give me 10 of them. You crazy? Please don't. I want to fight 10. And uh, this is a good time to bring up the dub's actually pretty good on uh, the oh, dub really? on Netflix. Yeah, it is pretty good. Okay. Uh, of oh, course, cool. the movie's not too terribly hard to heart follow. So, you know, sure. With D- does Donnie do bad, his own voice i don't think so but okay, uh, gotcha. it would i i haven't heard donnie in speaking english too terribly much but i'm pretty sure he he doesn't sound quite as american as this guy does um gotcha. <laughs> but it does a cool thing i've seen a few dubs do where essentially the idea is that if they're speaking english you assume they're speaking chinese or i guess uh cantonese in this case uh mm-hmm. because whenever they're speaking in japanese like the translation and stuff then that actually is the, the Japanese. Uh, oh, oh, that's like smart. it is them speaking Japanese with subtitles, but then whenever they're talking to each other, it's in English, which I thought yeah, that's, I a, guess that's we, a clever idea. Right. We didn't say it in, I guess in some Hong Kong films they do it, but yeah, the, the cast for the Japanese are played by Japanese. Yes. So you, you do hear them speaking in their mm-hmm. native language. And of course that's where the, uh, the character, the, uh, Lee, Right, that's the the police, the police yes. officer. He's yeah. doing the translation, kind of working with the Japanese, which will kind of come into play later in the movie. Yeah, and it's interesting. It, it's um, the movie depicts it as though the Japanese soldiers, like they know no Cantonese at all. Um, mm-hmm. Like so, like uh, they're always looking over yeah, they're, him. They're almost they say something. yeah. They're basically almost um, the Cantonese speakers are able to use it like a secret language, like. Um, <laughs> directly like in front of the Japanese officers. Right, and Lee as a character, there are times when uh, Ip Man is saying stuff to him and it's very aggressively anti the military <laughs> yeah. and Lee softens it yeah. for him in the translation. Right. Yeah, like one where yeah. he's, actually that's in, later in this scene where Mira's like, you need to, like, I want you to come back. And Itmon's like, no, I'm never coming back. And Lee's like, he'll think about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, here we are, this very dramatic scene that I'm sure that anybody listening to the podcast has seen where <laughs> Itman is just, like, taking on so many people at once and he's just being brutally violent to them. Yeah. This does have shades to me of Fist of Legend, the, the first scene in the, the schoolroom, the and then maybe oh, later sure. on when he's fighting multiple uh, Japanese, where it's, you see a lot of broken legs and twisted joints <laughs> and dislocated shoulders. <laughs> but yeah, this is really brutal. And you've already seen Ipman's kind of rapid, strong uh, punching attacks. And oh, in this, yeah. it's just crazy if there was a combo counter like in a video game it would just be like in the triple digits by the end of this <laughs> yeah. fight. Yeah. and you were talking about the sound design matthew and boy the sound effects for those mm-hmm. the rapid punch it's oh man it's yeah 
yeah, I think that's that was one of the standout um, kind of like action elements to me, like when first seeing the movie. I just hadn't seen or heard anything like that before. And one of the coolest bits, and this is like you were saying before, this is very much like the uh, pro Japanese or pro Chinese kind of uh, bent to the movie. Whenever the general asks Itmon who he is, he says, "I'm just a Chinese man." Yeah. yeah. And of, but of course, the translator tells him that he's that he's Itmon. So in this next scene, he uh, Itmon sh- tells tells the family of Liu that that he died, and then Itmon kind of confronts the uh, Lee and tells him basically you're a traitor because you're working with the Japanese. Right. But I do like it. See, he's he, like defends himself. He's saying like, no, I gotta live too. <laughs> like I gotta, you know, I have a family to support too. Yeah, it's a good it's a good performance, and because um, mm. Itmon saying something about like where's your dignity, and he's like. He's like, I'm not like you. You've got that. Like, you've got the dignity. But he's still, you know, like you're saying, like, he's still defending himself. It's, um, yeah, I think it's one of the more, like, like emotional um, exchanges in the movie. So the next kind of major plot point uh, is you see the cotton factory again. And uh, who shows up but uh, Jin, the, the northern Shaolin. He's kind of like a... I don't know. It's, it's like he's running a gang now. They're yeah. trying to survive as well. And they're kind of uh, strong-arming uh, Simon Yam's character, saying like, hey, you know, uh, we need money, and, mm-hmm. you know, this is how we're going to get it. Yeah. So um, Simon Yam's son, there's a little uh, plot point earlier in the film where he was saying like, yeah, you'll study under Ip Man, but um, you can tell that it's never panned out really. Even and though he, he kind seems of, to have like a kind of a handle on like at least the philosophy of Wing Chun because like earlier on he was saying like oh no offense like offense and defense are actually connected and they're basically like <laughs> shut up and don't <laughs> yeah and he, he's got the confidence to yeah. actually stand up to um uh, Jin you know he goes to Ipman and now Ipman makes his way a little too late and he sees kind of the destruction that they've left behind. So there's a plot point and this this ended up being like a true thing where Ipman ended up training these people in Wing Chun. I think in history it actually was like kind of like a job that he took on. It wasn't yeah. as emotionally tied as it is in the <laughs> film. <laughs> and yeah. I don't you know. even know if that was like exactly during the occupation. I want to say that was a different time period. Right. There's a couple other yeah. things too. So uh, one uh, big thing is that Ipman actually was in Hong Kong before and in, in real life he lived in Hong Kong for a time before all of the events in this film. Mm-hmm. And the other thing is that he was actually employed by the police for a time as well. So they don't they don't um, address those in the movie but those are things that actually mm-hmm. happen. But it's kind of cool here seeing him train you know the layman in Wing Chun and kind of seeing them be empowered and yeah. the next time that this gang shows up they're all ready it's it's really cool yeah. I like that uh, a, point in the I love scene, yeah. I love in the montage whenever they're like just randomly training with each other and there's like these these old people and like these kids that are like doing mm-hmm. the different forms and stuff and like these really overweight ladies are like practicing Wing Chun with each other it's really funny sure I think, you know, of all the patriotic takeaways of this film, I think this is one of the most successful things for me as a Yeah, a yeah, I'm with you. And I think also when the gang comes back, and actually they, they wield axes, so I, they're almost kind of getting a little I, bit of an axe gang. Thing. I totally thought of the axe gang when yeah. I saw them. And so, yeah, when they come back, I really like, 
how Samo and everyone kind of designed this sequence because it's clear that the the employees and and including the uh, the son played by uh, uh, Calvin Cheng Kassing, um that they they really do know what they're doing with Wing Chun, but uh, they're they're not like you know supermen and women. Uh, it's still yeah. like a really difficult fight. And yeah, um, Donnie's introduction in this fight is really cool. He comes in on a close up like punch. Yeah, you don't see him coming. I don't know. I thought it was really really effective. Mm-hmm. Yeah, all the other little beats too, where when everybody takes the Wing Chun stance, and you know you've got the kind of number two uh, gangster comes up to the young kid and he just wallops him right away yeah. and you're like what <laughs> <laughs> and then there's a moment too when uh the young kid he uh his he he's attacking and then he goes back into the stance and then he almost does this jackie chan yeah like, he's shaking his wringing hands. his hands out yeah. like ouch <laughs> yeah yeah and it's cool because yeah. like they know the forms and they know the fighting but they just don't have like the strength to to stand up to these guys even though like he did the form and stuff but like their hands aren't you know they're yeah, not where they need yeah. to be they, they need that dummy that, that Wing Chun dummy. Right yeah, now. that's right. <laughs> and I also like Louis Fan's take on <laughs> Ip Man. He's like, man, you're always getting in my way, dude. I'm trying to do stuff. And you just keep interrupting me. <laughs> he's so frustrated. Not mm-hmm. not that he's, you know, just like his own situation. The other thing is that one of the gang members is Jing Yu's younger brother, who's like the kind of has he's the kind of, he's the kid that got his kite caught in the in the tree in, in the beginning of the movie. Yeah, and you kind of get a sense that maybe from his side of the brother relationship it was strained whereas like Xing Yu wanted to he really wanted to connect with his little brother mm-hmm. and that's kind of like this tragic end point to this uh, uh, little like encounter where he yeah. kind of breaks down when he realizes after Itman tells him like yeah your brother died and he wanted you to have this and he gives him this tin and you see that it's the kite yeah. that uh that he was using I'm not gonna lie that made me kind of tear up because oh yeah it's, oh, it's, okay. it's, it's rough it's I, I won't say anything <laughs> <laughs> but um uh, before that i should mention that there's a really great sequence of uh, Donnie Yen using this really yeah. extended like bamboo pole against yeah, the younger brother and Louis Fan. Like that's that's super cool seeing him. And actually, I think one of the main images you usually see of the first film is Donnie holding that pole mm-hmm. in kind of like this perspective shot. So yeah, it's definitely that's... the longest staff I think you've ever seen in any action film. Yeah, it's, and yeah, just it's some really uh, brilliant. Yeah, choreography and and actually, it's really difficult, I think, to to kind of shoot <laughs> shoot this this part of the mm-hmm. fight. The staff is so long, um, mm-hmm. but yeah, I think they do. Yeah, a really not great only job that. yeah, the the sound work is really great too, and not only that, it, I would say it's hard to shoot, but they're actually really creative in some of the shots. Like I like when he's he uh, hits Jin and kind of rings the the staff down the, the front of his body to hit his toe. That's, yeah. Yeah, that's really cool creative. Shot. I like that a lot. <laughs> and there's there's one great shot. This is definitely a very gifable moment where the Jin is telling the the younger kid character to basically you know go kill go kill Ipmon, <laughs> and it zooms in on Ipmon's face. And he just kind of lightly shakes his head no. Yeah, that's it's, great. Ah, oh, it's such a great like while he's holding on the pole. It's such a great shot. 
Mm-hmm. Now further on in the movie, you've yeah. got the Japanese military show up at the cotton factory, and they're looking for Ipman, and it's really dire. You see that uh, it, you get the sense that maybe somebody's gonna die in this scene, yeah. and Ipman shows up right at the last minute, and the general's there, and uh, that kind of creepy. Uh, I think his name is Sato. Yeah, Sato. Uh, that guy's like really giving it to people, and you know, finally Ipman goes with them. So um, basically we're setting up like this is where they say they want him to train the Japanese. Yeah. And he's like, he's like, hell no, I'm not doing that. Yeah. And, that, <laughs> and, and they, that's yeah. whenever he's like, he'll think about it. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, but he gets he gets captured. And uh, this is a, a really another there's a lot of amazing shots in this movie. But whenever uh, Mira's walking down the hall and there's like just these kind of spotlights uh, mm-hmm. uh, going along, he just keeps walking yeah. in and out of the in and out of the light. Yeah, that's a great little sequence, and mm-hmm. yeah, it's basically kind of the villains conniving. Yeah, letting the audience know really what the stakes of this fight are. Yeah, which is basically it's lose lose for Itman because if he's actually going to win, it would shame the Japanese general too much, and so and they, they probably kill just him. shoot him in the head. Yeah, yeah. Um, but and actually, yeah. I think what like if you wanted to mark the time. In the film, like where Ipman gets hit for the very first time, it would be in that scene. <laughs> so it's like an hour and like twenty minutes into the movie, he gets You're hit totally once. Right. <laughs> uh, but yeah, this leads to the to the final showdown. Did this remind you of uh, of Fearless at all? The, the staging oh, of totally. this, fight? yeah. Oh, totally, yeah. dude. Because it's kind of it's out in the open. The uh, it's out in the open in, in kind of the middle of the day. And it's cool because it's that same like front square where we saw like the the lion dance at the very beginning of the movie, but it right, has like right. yeah, but it has you know like the buildings are a little more dilapidated and there's like Japanese flags all over the place. Mm-hmm. And even though it's not like there's nothing like a tournament setting like you see in Fearless, just the visual language of everything really reads like a fighting tournament. Mm-hmm. Right. So right. like the, you know, the encounter earlier against the multiple Japanese and then this at the end with uh, General Mira in his uh, karate outfit. Well, I think they're even trying and, to convince that like the townspeople that it is like some kind yeah. of tournament competition. And... Yeah. You, you could see that except you've got all these except there's soldiers guns with guns. <laughs> yeah. And they've got those spiked like pylons, like to yeah. keep everyone from rushing to the um, to the stage. But but I do like how Mira, you know, in the middle of all of this, he still really you get the sense of him as a martial artist, you know, and that's almost more important to him sometimes than being like this uh, Japanese general. So you've got him right. decked out in his karate gi, and he's waiting very formally for Ipman, and he's kneeled down. And then when he gets up to fight, he actually bows to him. So mm-hmm. yeah, you've got this very interesting. It's it's weird. It's like almost like this a scary situation because from his side of it, it doesn't seem like there's much risk. But from Ipman's side of it, it's it's the risk yeah. of everything, mm-hmm. like, not only for him, but for all of the people that he cares about. Well, and it's so also it's like the, the fact that he has some honor for the martial arts just makes it that much more dangerous because mm-hmm. yeah. now it's kind of confusing like what his values are and what he'll stand for. And we know he's like restrained his henchmen from going too far, but he hasn't really reprimanded him. Mm-hmm. I think they do a good job of it. It does feel like there's this like ticking clock with, you know, because, uh, yeah, the henchman is like tapping is the holster of his gun like, during the fight. <laughs> oh, sure. And, um, right, right, right. Yeah, I just think, yeah, Wilson Yip like 
kind of balances the yeah those those elements really well here yeah but also when i found out that hiroyuki ikeuchi the guy that plays mira when i found out he wasn't in an action film before and never had done these fights is really surprising because he he looks great really looks great in these scenes all of his kicks and all of his punches land as they should i guess it's like you you wonder if if anybody can just be molded You know, with Samo involved, you know, Samo, like, I guess I mentioned, you know, Cynthia Rothrock was a person that I knew as a kid as in these like B movies where the action was really goofy and stuff. But seeing her in Hong Kong is just amazing. And you wonder like, man, how much of I mean, I'm not taking away from Cynthia because I (laughs) think she's amazing. Sure. But, you know, you just kind of wonder seeing this guy, like how effective is Samo? You know, Mm -hmm. like he's he's taking And also you could say that with Benny or Kida's. It's like um, Samo just it's like he understands the language of of like true, you know, true martial arts. Um, Yeah. Mm -hmm. And And I think uh, a lot of it is that Hong Kong directors are able to, I guess, Chinese directors in this case are more willing to put in a lot of time for the action scenes because that's really yeah. the the key to it is that in in the West a lot of action scenes they don't film them you know about hundreds of different takes to to make sure you get like the right look to it right but and you know some of them are fairly long takes too and in, in in these movies but in this movie uh, even if it's someone that's maybe not as well-versed with uh, martial arts, if they're willing to put in the time and have the effort to like to go through the motions over and over and over again to get it right, then, no. Yeah. Well, and we're, we're talking about Samo a lot, but, I mean, Donnie is one of the great living uh, action director choreographers as well. And right. so you have to imagine the... Um, the kind of collaborative atmosphere uh, for, you know, for this sequence here. Um, and yeah, if Samo was too hard on um, Ikiuchi, hope, yeah, hopefully Donnie was maybe a little bit of a kind of playing, <laughs> playing good cop here. There's a couple of, you can see a couple of behind the scenes uh, clips where you can see them running through stuff. So that's pretty cool to see that. Yeah, um, there well. are like one or two instances in this sequence that I did notice a double for Donnie. Yeah. There's like the sh- shot where he's kind of falling back. It's almost back like this kick kind of... up, but it's like, yeah. Yeah. And that was surprising. There's a couple other you... double shots earlier in the movie that are, it's like, oh, is that really happening? But I mean, I, I think we've said this before, but, you know, doubling it, it's, it's not just as simple as, oh, the person can't do it. Right. Sometimes it's just about, okay, do I really want to put the actor... <laughs> Through yeah. this particular stunt right now, given our schedule and mm. given yeah, what we're a lot of it on. is because not every not every Hong Kong actor is crazy as you know like a a Jackie Chan or yeah, or something like that like sometimes like hey Donnie could do this but also he might break his leg if he does this and we right. kind of need him for the rest of the week so you know and, and it's yeah, funny I, like that's... as I was rewatching it and seeing those double shots again I was trying to think to a performance. Uh, where someone was was never doubled, and I don't know if I can I can think of it. I mean, it's you know I mean all of all of the great you know Hong Kong action stars, um, you know, including Jackie and Jet Li. I mean, they're all doubled on on occasion. Um, mm-hmm. Yun Biu, even yeah, Samo. Um, mm-hmm. It's fine. I I like what Matthew was saying though. <laughs> how it's like kind of like you want to 
hold on to these stars yeah. you don't want to yeah just absolutely. destroy them yeah and actually it's it's kind of cool that you mentioned that too because i think uh that that breakdance film that you mentioned what, what is it called again oh mismatched uh, 85 yeah in mismatched couples i remember there is a fight with donnie he's fighting it's dick way i believe and um he i heard that he got hurt really bad like donnie hurt his shoulder in that film and that's a an injury that's persisted throughout the years <laughs> so you know that's that's a testament oh, right man, there to yeah. hey man like sometimes you got to use a double yeah. i don't think using a double is a bad no, thing no, no. i just think it's interesting when i notice it yeah and yeah, totally. actually well, it's like it leads to interesting conversations like in prodigal son how you know uh Yumbu versus Frankie where Yumbu <laughs> yes, sometimes fights himself or when when Yoon yeah. doubles Samo in the calligraphy right <laughs> scene in the couple or, shots or when like okay so like in writing wrongs Yumbu doubles for Cynthia Rothrock <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you know yeah so he doubles that's... for Cynthia in um in Millionaire's Express too right a couple of times yep. yeah yeah so yeah it's it's interesting. yeah no totally I think maybe yeah we I th- just like when when you imbue doubles for people <laughs> yeah. i think is what no we're i mean getting yeah at. i think what all three of us are getting at is that it's like this isn't like a stigma this isn't a this isn't a bad thing no it it is mm-hmm. like we get a kick out of like catching catching those moments because usually mm-hmm. they're mm-hmm. um they're pretty brief and they're covered pretty well but mm-hmm. yeah, yeah and hopefully the listeners get a kick out of maybe noticing that too or maybe they notice stuff that we don't know. Oh, I'm so, sure. You know, that's really fun. But okay, back to this yeah. fight. <laughs> so the escalation of this fight's really cool. Ipman is still this invincible Superman. But <laughs> what I really like is he's so he, they they portray him as so invincible that this is like practice mode to him. Yeah, so, <laughs> I love. By that. the end of this fight, he's just visualizing the Wing Chun wooden dummy, and that's just what this opponent is to him. Yeah. How how cool is that? Yeah, that's that's something I've never seen before, you know? And it, it's just the way that it's shot. And, you know, the, you're just like, holy crap, like, this guy can't be stopped. Totally. Well, and I don't know <laughs> if at this point they were already conceiving of sequels. But if if they were, it is kind of a brilliant way. It, uh, it It's definitely a satisfying final fight and it, uh, it does feel like a payoff but we also haven't uh we haven't seen everything ipman can do and we haven't seen him you know put to kind of the maximum pressure which is yeah a great opportunity for future films mm-hmm. so this ends with everyone in the crowd starts cheering for for ipman almost everyone almost Oof. everyone because the uh earlier we we had to see his uh his family he's trying to get the his family is just out of town because he knows that they'll be in danger since he's, you know, being captured by the Japanese. Yeah. Um, but his his family comes back because the wife is saying, like, no, I need to, I need to go and support him. Um, and then as soon as the family shows up, he gets shot in the shoulder. Oh, and, yeah. Yeah. And <laughs> when you see this for the first time, it's it's weird you're expecting him to be shot but it's still stung yeah like stings yeah <laughs> and i was also thinking yeah. like i mean they like this was a real dude that didn't die until like the 70s so like they can't do that much to him so. that, thank you thank you for mentioning that because like that's what i'm thinking when i'm watching this okay this is like a biopic or kind of you know and it's like they're playing this really up for drama mm-hmm. and i guess it's pretty effective but it's like yeah <laughs> 
Um, but hello, they're also taking bit. so many liberties. You know, it's like he only has one <laughs> child, and it's like he's oh, that's glorious bastard. That'd be wild. <laughs> he's like, and then he died. Wait, what? <laughs> but but like, he did it. Yeah. History doesn't tell us what happened next. Yeah. <laughs> yep. But yeah, so then uh, they whisked away Ipman, and mm-hmm. the movie ends with them kind of making an escape yeah, to, to Hong, Hong Kong. Kong. Yeah. yeah. And. Presumably, this is how Itmon single-handedly won the Second World War because that's the little the little thing, uh, the little text at the end is saying like, you know, he he ran away to Hong Kong. The Chinese, you know, beat beat back the Japanese, right. and mm-hmm. uh, you know, then he went on to be Wing Chun Grandmaster. There's some cool, yeah, like, I don't know, just the gall of it. Of it. It's like the, <laughs> what prompted the Japanese surrender has to be one of the most well-known human yeah, actions yeah. in history, right? So it's like, oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> and this yeah. isn't some kind I of American like... pride. Like, it's a pretty bad thing America did to win the war, but... Right. Yeah, but yeah I don't know what you, what you would call it. It's, yeah. uh, you know, I mean, it's definitely, I think, something that every American has, has shame over, but it's just, just to have this, like, just, like, bold-faced, like, yeah... <laughs> counter history and it's and especially like, when it's not something very obscure or that like yeah i don't know really really interesting although i guess i don't know how say the younger generation growing up in mainland china i'm not sure exactly what they're educated like i yeah i'm sure there are some interesting things in some of the history books um but we do land uh you know right at the end they do show some really nice pictures yeah. and actually we're very fortunate yeah, to have cool. like images of Ipman and of him training there's and actually him with some Bruce Lee. There are a few footage few. yeah and there's pictures of him with Bruce Lee so it's really cool that that exists you know when when I'm looking up stuff you know the lineage of Wing Chun is like this handed down like generation to generation like spoken history and uh finding images like the even just the generation back from this is kind of really hard especially i guess in our western sense you know we're dealing with stuff that hasn't been translated and stuff like that but to see ipman himself and to see these images and uh know that there's footage out there is really special i think yeah that you can see footage of yeah the real ipman and there's some good footage of of his son ipchun also Um, Mm -hmm. yeah that's another weird kind of modern chinese thing is that it shows it shows him with one child even though it man had like what like five yeah. kids or something like that oh my gosh I dude i didn't even had... register like that. <laughs> right. i'm sure you're he, right he man. was a good chinese citizen why. that just had one kid <laughs> yeah they're yeah he he had two sons and a daughter and then later on in life he would have another son with someone else who's they kind of say it's like an illegitimate son. Gotcha. But, right. um, yeah, I guess for the sake of the movie and for the sake of the person that was consulting on the movie, he only has one son. I doubt, though. That, that I is. mean, I, I'm sure you're right, Matthew. <laughs> it's like this This movie is poised to depict like the idealized national Chinese hero. And so that... <laughs> And that, you know, yeah. that kind of well-mannered right. family, they can't have more than one. <laughs> they shouldn't have more than one child. Like, yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. I yeah, I doubt if Chun wanted to, like, write his siblings out, out of the story. Yeah. I'm sure that was... Well, very was like quick a, very yeah. quick Googling says that he... Ip Chun, of course, is his oldest, but his 
the next son, Ip Ching, was born in 1936. So he would have been just a little, little baby during the events of the of the movie. Oh, so, yeah. so okay. he did have one, but I, I guess you could you you know you could make an argument that that is real to real life. But anyway, <laughs> here is three abandoned China. <laughs> <laughs> Ironically yeah, I enough, no, I I know, yeah I know of at least one person who's getting through the firewall over there <laughs> listening to us. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's the, that's it mine. Uh, it's a super fun movie. Of course it's yeah. on, it's on Netflix uh, and very easy to watch. Um, and I'd say it is, it's definitely a movie. You don't have to be, you know, it, being versed in these movies and knowing a bit about Wing Chun obviously makes it better, but it doesn't, you know, you can, you can totally watch it without having that background and still get a lot out of it. Yeah, I think totally. it plays yeah. plays really well um, to a pretty pretty wide audience, and it did pretty well uh, theatrically over here. Um, you know, at least compared to other uh, you know, similar kind of um, exports. And, and yeah, what's awesome is uh, all three of the Itmon films are, as of this recording, all on Netflix. And I hope they stay that way because I need to yeah. watch them for this <laughs> uh, for this little arc of ours. So. I got you, man. Don't worry about it. I got you. All right. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening to our show. If you liked it, then please leave a review on your podcatcher of choice. So iTunes, Stitcher, whatever you're listening to this on. Be sure to check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We are at Heroes, the number three podcast on all three of them. If you want to watch GIFs that we make from the episodes, you can check us out on Giphy or on uh, GifCat now. I'll post yeah. links for that in the description. And we have a little special plug. So, uh, Marty and Carlos, do you want to take this one over? Oh, sure. So, uh, recently we released an album that we've been working on for quite some time. It's called RoboGirl 2 Journey of the Stars. This is a follow-up yeah. soundtrack to... Uh, a chiptune album that I wrote the music for and Carlos did the art for last year. And we're just really excited to finally, <laughs> finally have it out. Um, so I, if you have any kind of interest in, I would say either um, older school video game music or even say like uh, 80s, 90s, 2000s pop music, um, you might be interested. And so you <laughs> can find that album on supermarcadobros.bandcamp.com. I don't know what to say. <laughs> um, I Well, I will say, yeah, it, it's super exciting to have this album out in the world. And it's been like a year's worth of us kind of going back and forth. And it it's amazing. And if you're even remotely interested in any of this stuff, I would just recommend checking it out. And if you know somebody that likes this kind of stuff, I would send it their way too because it's super fun. And I had a blast working on it with Marty. And it's amazing that it's like actually out <laughs> and if yeah if you haven't seen the artwork yet it is just stunning like yeah my i i kind of well up every time <laughs> yeah the art is really yeah good. it was oh. thank you it was it was a lot of fun it was a lot of work it was a lot of fun though well until next week where we're taking a look at itmon 2 i'm matthew i'm marty i'm carlos and we are the heroes three remember your training <laughs>
Heroes 3 is part of the Mercado Brothers Podcast Network.